SEN America, this is the SEN MLB Podcast. Hi everybody and welcome to SEN MLB Podcast. On today's show we're going to take a look at the MLB standings post-All-Star game coming up. We're going to have a look at the Hall of Fame which is on this weekend. Also... The MLB franchise four from the All-Star Game, going to tear that apart. We're going to have a look at some minor league guys, Aussies over there in the minor leagues. Uh, the under-14 state winter championships was held last weekend uh, down at Frankston. Uh, also, the under-12 World Cup is coming up. But first, joining me behind the mic is former San Diego Padre and Detroit Tiger, Russell Spear. Russ, welcome, mate. Craig, thank you. Good to be here. Fred will do. But anyway, let's um, first we're going to get straight into MLB standings that are going on here uh, at the moment, post-All-Star game. The teams now are starting to load up going for postseason play. One of the big teams that I did see this week, the Boston Red Sox, haven't won a game since the All-Star game, but that's sort of irrelevant. We're going to get into the standings now, and we're going to have a look at the LA Dodgers in the NL West. They're leading the way there. Great one-two punch. These guys are phenomenal. Clayton Kershaw... And Zach Greinke are just the best one-two punch in baseball. Absolutely, no doubt. I, I think uh, for me, Kershaw to watch Kershaw go about his business—it's uh, it's a pleasure. It's, it's a bit for me as a young bloke watching Maddox tear people apart. He does it just with a ninety-five mile an hour fastball, which is pretty scary. And that big hook—he's got that big curveball as well. Three Cy Youngs. Him and Greinke. I know Greinke's off now for a couple of weeks on maternity leave. His wife's having a baby, so he's away. So the Dodgers now have to uh, bring up some of their. Um, lesser-known pitchers to come in and, and fill that void. But as for a one-two punch, those two guys are absolutely phenomenal. They're leading the way over the San Francisco Giants last year's World Series champions. Their Giants are three games back. Arizona are there nine and a half games back. So it's really out of the Dodgers and San Francisco Giants as it stands right now. In the National League East, the Washington Nationals leading the way over the New York Mets. The Mets predominantly have been down the bottom of the table for a long time, but they're sitting in second place. They're three games back of the Washington Nationals with the Atlanta Braves uh, six and a half games back of Washington. And in the NL Central, the best team in baseball is the St. Louis Cardinals, first team to 60 wins as it stands right now. And I'm just going to pose this question to you. We just mentioned Kershaw and Greinke. As soon as you think LA Dodgers, you, you think of these guys because they're a great team. When you look at the St. Louis Cardinals, name name me a couple of players who are standing out for the St. Louis Cardinals. You know what? I'd, I'd struggle, to be honest with you, I, I, but I do enjoy watching them play. I, I do think they have that quintessential team component about them. I think that's why they're uh, they're the best team in baseball. I think they just it's not a payroll thing. I just think they play it the right way. They go about it. They grind it every day and they all play their role. Perfect, because that's where I was going with the question in the first place. They don't really there's that team of champions and champion team element that seems to exist in the world and the Cardinals are absolutely a team of champions. They uh, a champion team, sorry. They they really seem to play for each other and been leading the way since day one. And as I mentioned, the first team to 60 wins, they're on the way to playoffs for sure, the St. Louis Cardinals. We'll uh, now take a look at the American League. Yeah, the American League. I've got uh, the Yankees on top uh, by five and a half games uh, to uh, to Toronto. Uh, you know, standard week, A-Rod hits, uh, hits his 20th, uh, passes Bonds as the second all-time in the RBIs. Um, not bad for a bloke who's had some time off. Uh, he's had some time off, all right. And, you know, he was lambasted by, by uh, fans and portions of Major League Baseball for the steroid issue that has haunted A-Rod through his career in Balco and it's gone on and on but at the end of the day when you look at the numbers that he's putting up and so much of baseball is a stat or numbers based game uh, he's phenomenal as you said 20 home runs now to this point of the season he's passed Barry Bonds second all-time on the RBI list. The guy just keeps racking up numbers, and, and to me, he's still one of the all-time greats. And I'll just pose this question about his his career. Alex Rodriguez, do you see that he may end up going to the Hall of Fame? There's no doubt he'll be on the ballot, and it's always five years after they retire from playing. But you're a pitcher, um, you know, do you, you're a baseball fan. Do you see A-Rod ever going to the Hall of Fame? I 
Look, I'd like to say purely on numbers, you can't dispute the fact that um, he's a legend. He 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 is going to go down as good as as anybody, uh, deservedly so on the field, off field. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to go. Obviously, yeah. there's uh, there's been other issues with other players who have kept them out of of uh, the Hall of Fame. But uh, I think he's doing all the right things, Fred. I think yeah. he's kissing babies' heads. He's signing autographs. He's uh, he's doing all the right things. He's got good PR going right now. He understands that he's uh, put himself in a bad situation and he's letting his baseball do the talking at the moment, which is which is good to see. But off-field, I think he's allowed himself to be a bit more accessible and uh, and I think the, the people are warming to him again and I think that's good. The uh, You're right. And so much of, if it was up to a fan vote, I don't think he would ever get in. But when it's the writers, it's the American Writers Association, you need 75% of the vote to get into the Hall of Fame. I think, I wouldn't be surprised to see that he's hired a PR company to help with his process because, yes, there has been some downtimes, but what he is now is accessible. The media still seem to follow him around because he's one of the best in the game. And he's and he's approachable. He's always willing to to do an interview, and he's willing to help the cause as such. In this case, it's his cause because I really feel that he wants to get into the Hall of Fame. Whereas in the past, some of the guys who who may never get into the Hall of Fame be say a Roger Clements and a Barry Bonds, some of the greatest numbers of all time. But I think they've really been anti media or anti writers, and of course the writers really take that to heart. And I don't think those guys may ever see the Hall of Fame. But uh, fingers crossed, I think we should start a campaign. A bit like Pete Rose. I love Pete Rose. Yeah. You know, there's been some more dubious claims have come out in just recently. But uh, my own personal point of view, I think they should be in the Hall of Fame. But, uh, you know, time will tell on all this, and it's the writers that decide whether they do or don't go in. Yeah, probably my biggest concern is whether uh, A-Rod can afford that PR uh, team behind him. Do you think he'll, uh, he'll be able to cover um, the costs? I think he can, might be able to just cover those costs. And if not, he'll just go to the Yankees and they'll <laughs> <laughs> up the contract, you know. I mean, the guy's sitting at, uh, is he 40 yet? He might be 38 years of age. So still, he can still go for another couple of years. And the way he's hitting the ball right now, he can still keep going. Yeah, for he looks sure. Good. For sure. Well, let's move on with these. Uh, in the east, we've got the Yankees uh, five and a half in front of Toronto to Tampa Bay. Uh, Baltimore and uh, a lonely Boston sitting uh, last on that table. Uh, to the central, we've got Kansas City. Keep rolling on. They just same thing. Yeah. Just keep doing it. Uh, There's another St. Louis Cardinals yeah, type. Exactly a, right. You can't really. There are some guys that are superstars. Don't get me wrong. The yep. highly paid, but but from an outside looking in, they just they just seem to really do it together. They're a team of team of good guys that play hard. It's just a, it's a no fuss from the outside in. It just looks like it's a no fuss, just like the Cardinals. Uh, six and a half games up on Minnesota. Uh, my Tigers 10 games back uh, to Cleveland to the White Sox and in the West you've got the LA Angels we all know that 3-4 uh, punch doesn't get much better than that it's it's a little scary right there's, now there's another one of those 1-2 punches being Mike Trout and uh, Albert Pujols and there's a you know there's a the quintessential just going back to that discussion just moments ago Albert Pujols is loved by all always accessible always a smile on his face his numbers are slightly lower than Alex Rodriguez at this point in the career but gee whiz is Albert Pujols putting up some numbers he had three home runs during the week which uh, made him he passed Mickey Mantle earlier in the year and then he just this week with that three home run game he passed Mike Schmidt one of the greatest players of all time both of those guys are in the Hall of Fame so you know we're seeing one of the greats he he missed a lot of last year's baseball with plantar fascia mm. which is a foot injury I think it was made famous here by Robert Harvey the the uh, St Kilda footballer but he's back and healthy again, and geez, racking up some numbers. I'm impressed you could say plantar fascia. I think that's quite good. You should have seen me practicing on the way. <laughs> I was looking in the mirror. Plantar fascia. Take your time and get it right. And inter- interesting to see that uh, his RBIs are down a little bit, but uh, it's a little tough when you hit behind a fellow like Trout. I think he, yeah. he does a lot of the damage for you. So. If you want if you to get on base, Trout comes up, hits a home run, whatever it may be. Pujols comes up with the bases clear. Oh, another solo shot for yeah. Albert. Ah, oh, well, yeah, you know, great for him. But, uh, you know, he's not racking up those RBIs. I think Trout's sitting at about 71 on the list, leading the league in uh, in RBIs. And Albert Pujols is around the 50 mark. But uh, still a long way to go. And, and, and do you think, as a 3-4 punch in the line, do you think they sort of... 
uh, riding off each other's success. Do you think that happens at times? I, I think a lot. A lot of this stuff comes down to good energy, and I, and I think if if somebody on your club's got that energy and your club's got that energy, it's hard not to ride that wave. I think uh, no matter who you are, whether you're a poo holster or a trout or the nine hole guy, it, it doesn't matter if the energy's there. I think you uh, you feed and you go. Yep. Absolutely, and you can see it in the Angels. They're, they're really playing some exciting baseball at the moment. In my opinion, Trout is one of the best in the game as we stand. All he has to do is do it for probably <laughs> another 15 years, <laughs> and then he'll be up around the uh, you know Alex Rodriguez sort of mark. What he does have, he has better speed than A-Rod. A-Rod's predominantly just been a power guy through his career, hit and hit for power. Trout seems to be that all-round package. He, you know, he might be up there with stolen bases and... All types of that five tool stuff that was referenced earlier. You know, he could uh, he could really be one of the greats, but needs to do it for a long time yet before we'll see that. There's no doubt, and there's a lot of baseball to be played between now and then. Uh, getting back to the standings, you've got the Angels to Houston uh, one game up, which is good. Again, Houston, one of those teams that uh, that sort of fly under the radar a little bit and doing a good job. Younger team, and I think uh, I like what they're what they're uh, producing at the moment. Uh, to uh, to Texas, eight and a half games back to Seattle and the lonely Oakland A's uh, holding up the rest. Um, we're going to go from standings now to there was something that did catch my eye. I did reference it last week in the show and I forgot to get back to it, but the MLB franchise four, every, when the All-Star game was on, every team uh, was, was nominated a franchise four who, who people saw as the franchise players for their particular individual club and then there was an overall franchise four named my major league baseball i'm not sure if it was um fan based or how it all worked but i was interested to see that the franchise four that were named in the game was hank aaron no problems there Mm -hmm. johnny bench yep bit of a problem yeah i see sandy koufax lot of a problem wow and i see willie mays no real problem, but could be a problem. Okay. Not too sure. You want to elaborate on those? Absolutely. Because I'd a, like to know, because I'd, I'd have a hard time with this. Now, this is, this is where I see that the fans sometimes, and especially in America, if they're a likeable sort of bloke and they do kiss the babies right from the get-go, let's, let's not forget, Sandy Koufax was one of the greats in that era. Retired early because he had a sore arm. At uh, 31, I think he was, when he, when he actually retired. And I throw up the name Nolan Ryan. Here's a guy pitched into his 40s. Here's a guy with seven no-hitters, over 5,000 strikeouts, made the franchise four for three separate organisations that I mentioned earlier. How can he not be part of your MLB Living Legends franchise four? I I agree. And And I... I was hoping to be able to debate this with you, but I absolutely agree with that. To me, it's just one of those numbers don't lie. And, and like, I even gave you a little bit of homework. And, and just, just, just a, uh, to throw up the debate, give us another franchise for who you may have seen out there. And, and they're living. These guys, this, that was part of the thing. They had to be living. That's how they quantified what they what they're putting out there. Living legends, they put that. Yeah, look, Nolan Ryan, uh, certainly. I think if, if you, uh, in his recent times, I think um, Jeter would have to sort of slip into that mould uh, quite comfortably. I think Absolutely. He, I don't think he's in... Uh, to be out of his depth in any of those uh, in any of those groups. So uh, for me, yeah, look, he would uh, Jeter would be to mine um, the one that would go. Yeah, this is so Jeter takes the place of in that. So you had a, I have trouble with Johnny Bench. I mentioned Johnny Bench, lovely bloke. I'm sure he's terrific. Sure. You know, you'd love to have a beer with him. No, sure. no problem. Part of Big Red Machine back then. Yep. But gee, you put up Mike Piazza, one of the yep. greatest hitting catches of all time. You yep. put up Pudge Rodriguez, Rodriguez, one of the greatest hitting catches, and throw guys out. Like he threw out forty percent of guys that stole bases, whereas the major league average was down around the twenty percent mark. You know, he was throwing out double what anybody else could do. So there's all sorts of and I throw up, and this goes back to our debate before Ricky Henderson. Yeah, one of the greatest leadoff hitters of all time wasn't really well liked by media the side of it yeah. because he had this ego this brashness well you put up the numbers that Ricky Henderson does like he, he had something like 70 lead off home runs right. in games you know there's a, there's a punch right on the board you know you, you, you're good to go one up yep. so you know there's so many guys yeah look it's a debate it's a debate that could go on forever you, you could Punch out big names. You could punch out the Ty Cobbs. You could punch out the Cal Ripken Juniors, the Ted Williams. But where does it end? 
Where does it end? Absolutely. Did you just mention Ty Cobb? Like, you know, like he's in your Hall of Fame. This guy was up on attempted murder or That's something right. yeah. back in the day, yeah. and you know, we, we we talk about all sorts of all sorts of guys and their questionable past. Yeah. Babe Ruth, one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. Did he just eat a hot dog and a beer? Was that it? You know, I'm not too sure. There's, it could go anywhere. This sort. That's right. But Isn't we're uh, we're going to head to a break anyway, Spears. Leave it there, mate. We'll uh, we're going to come back with some of the Aussies in the minor leagues right after this. Welcome back to SEN's MLB podcast. We're now going to take a look at uh, Aussies overseas where. Australia, we have a number of different guys. Each week we're going to pick two or three particular players who we like at the time and just reference and see where they're at in their current season. The first one, we're going to look at Liam Hendricks, of course. He's at the MLB level with the Toronto Blue Jays, and he's been terrific this year. I did read an article saying his velocity's up, and thus he's having better performances. Prior to this year, his ERA was around the 5.5 mark. This year he's down sub-3, which is a terrific mark. 2-0 and o is his win-loss with a sub-3 ERA, but doing beautifully over there with the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, I think I think any time at any level in professional baseball, if you can sit sub-3.5, you, uh, you're doing something right. And uh, to be sitting sub-3 in the big leagues, you're doing something very right. Very right, yeah. The, I mean, his velocity now is up around the 95-mile-an-hour mark, so he's really worked, probably hit the gym in the off-season, and he really needs to... He, I think he knew it himself. He needed to establish himself at the major league level. His uh, prior to this year, his record wasn't terrific. He he did go through a spate there where he lost around the ten ga- ten games in a row for for other clubs. But now moving across to Toronto, he really is having a a terrific impact with with uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. The next player we're going to look at, of course, is Travis Blackley, uh, Victoria's own Travis Blackley from the Cheltenham Baseball Club. His brother's just been appointed head coach of Cheltenham over the summer, but Travis is with the Miami Marlins. He's with, uh, his team is the New Orleans Zephyrs at the AAA level, but his numbers to this point? Yeah, look, Trav, uh, Trav's been a good uh, journeyman, baseball journeyman. He's, he's been in the game a long time, understands it really well, yep. uh, and and is... Uh, and he's just a guy who's going to keep grinding his way through a We're going to get him on the show because he, he really has, when you talk about guys that really want to chase that dream, and Trav's been one, mate. He's gone every corner of the planet. He's pitched yeah. in Japan. He's gone to Mexico. Still back in the United States now. But, you know, he's he's scuffling away. Um, and, and I mean that in when you look at the entire... Marlins organisation, I think just about every team is on the bottom of the table. Yeah, which is which is a, obviously a big concern for for the Marlins organisation and Marlins fans to have uh, every club sort of holding up the rest of the competition is not uh, not ideal. It doesn't yeah. show great depth, and uh, you know what it does show is a, an opportunity for some of these blokes to uh, put up some numbers and move. Yep. So with Travis at the moment, you know he's, he's thirteen games in with five starts with an ERA of five and a half, and that's not ideal, not by Travis's standards. And uh, we all know he can compete at the major league level it's just a matter of uh, putting a few games together and getting a roll on and fingers crossed he gets an opportunity i did see during the week that he's uh chasing alternative methods to keep his arm in shape he's yep. been getting cupping yeah via uh a cupping expert i guess <laughs> over <laughs> this raises all sorts of questions the old cupping doesn't it but um and and another interesting one he's very heavy on the social media he's going to get married soon but he is a big fan of the basketball following andrew bogut and Golden State Warriors winning that NBA championship. And they presented him with a, a limited edition basketball. They put out, of course, the year is 2015. They put out 2015 basketballs. And Trav got presented with number 54, which was his number with Oakland. Yeah, right. So they're phenomenal the way that they actually think about things. And, you know, Trav's a great supporter of, of um, Andrew Bogut and Golden State Warriors. So they reciprocate with a with a gesture back to him being a ma- major league baseball. I just thought that was really classy by by all concerned. Yeah, he's a he's a uh, super likable bloke, Trav. He um, class clown a little bit, you know, the the pest in the clubhouse, the pest in the dugout, and uh, you can't help but like him. He's one of those fellas. Don't you always need one like that? You, you know, 
know, somebody willing to tattoo anything. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a few of those blokes, haven't we? There's a, there's a few getting around. Yeah, yeah like, old Peter Moreland comes to mind too. He's the, the biggest class clown and the biggest pest, but uh, one of the, the most likable blokes you'll yeah, ever Yeah, I've been in touch with him this morning. We're endeavouring to get Pete over the next week or two. Yeah, I have. I have. He was. Uh, he said he had 15 minutes to get on the field and he wasn't quite dressed yet. So I know I'm Pete and he's two left feet. It'll take more than 15 minutes to get him out there anyway. <laughs> yeah. But uh, a couple of guys really playing their trade nicely over there, Moreland, sort of again on the cusp of making it back to the big league level. But the other Aussie we were going to take a look at is Zach Shepard out of New South Wales. This young kid's doing beautifully with your old club being the Detroit Tigers. Uh, he's, he's played in the All-Star game also um, in the minor leagues, but his numbers uh, right now, he's hitting 268. He's hit three home runs, 41 RBIs and drew 40 walks through 91 games. So there's a guy, and he's only relatively new to the professional leagues. I think he's only been over, this might be second year now, I think, signed by Detroit, which mm. is Kevin Hooker and That's Glenn right. Williams Correct. out of New South Wales. Yep. Um, but Zach Shepard, the clubs that he's playing at, do you know, have you been through there, those particular clubs? Yeah, I have actually. Uh, West Michigan Whitecaps, uh, um, great place in Grand Rapids. Uh, beautiful town, bit fresh early in the year, but yep. uh, it turns out to be lovely. It's a, it's a 10,000-seater stadium, little boutique, and, and they pack it out. It's a great vibe, great energy sort of place. And um, he's, you know, he's coached by or managed by Andy Graham, a, a New South Wales uh, fella, and he's a ripping bloke. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure that that helps uh, with Zach having another Aussie there to bounce a few things off and potentially kick the footy with or, well, being New South Wales, ping the rugby yeah, ball around. Yeah, they'll be throwing you know? the rugby <laughs> ball around, yeah. That's right. But uh, uh, he's, he's putting up good numbers and they really like him. Um, yeah. Bruce Fields, an old manager of mine, is, their, uh, is the Detroit Tigers hitting coach and uh, he likes what he's doing. He likes his body. He thinks he's a, he's a good athletic kid. Yeah. Um, third baseman uh, reads the ball well um, and he said he likes his approach at the plate. He's aggressive when he needs to be aggressive and has good patience when uh, and he has a good understanding of the zone and, and uh, which, which shows you with 40 walks is yeah. uh, for a minor leaguer who's relatively aggressive. 40 walks this time of the year is uh, pretty good numbers. Pretty good numbers. I do remember having a conversation with Glenn Williams just after Zach Shepard had signed with Detroit, and in my naive way, I said, "Oh, he seems a bit slight, you know, bit bit thin." And all Glenn Williams said was, "Just wait." Yeah, give it time. Yeah, I mean, you don't have a choice over there, mate. You I, I sort of, in as I say, my naivety, I'd sort of. Yeah, the kid's only 16. Give him a chance to work and hit the gym and yeah. get bigger and faster and stronger. And, of course, it's starting to pay off now for him, for sure. Um, ne- next topic, we're just going to take a look. This is a sensitive issue that has been around for a little while now, and it's been through all, all um, avenues of the media. Is the Chris Lane, the unfortunate murder of him over in the United States. Uh, there are three young men up have been uh, sentenced to prison for this uh, tragedy. But out of it comes minor league baseball, uh, sorry, major league baseball's commitment to build a little league field out Essendon way. Now, Russ, this is your particular club, uh, Essendon Baseball Club. Um, where, where's that at right now? Yeah, look, it is a sensitive issue, and, it, and it's been a, a tough couple of years for everybody that's um, been associated with Chris. Such a yeah. such a ripping bloke, and uh, um, you know, sorely missed, that's for sure. But you're right. Uh, uh, something that is a positive to come out of all this is uh, the Chris Lane initiative to, to build a field in his name down at uh, Boeing Reserve in Essendon. And I was in contact with the uh, Essendon president Tony Cornish during the week regarding. Uh, an update on, on where the field's at, and uh, it's all really positive. Uh, you know, the place is a buzz, uh, and has been, you know, since this uh, initiation come up with MLB, and uh, it's going really well. Look, there's there's been uh, multiple building plans uh, submitted, yep. and and from what I can gather, the the biggest issue whether is to enclose the field or or not, or you yep. make it sort of super accessible, or uh, do they close it off and and uh, you know really hone in on on the baseball aspect of it. Um, so that's that's. Uh, in the process of the moment, there is, uh, there's been a letter drop sort of within a five kilometre radius of, of Essendon Baseball Ground, um, to allow all the residents, uh, understanding of what's going on. Um, there's a, uh, there's an application of building permit already up. So if anyone does want to dispute it, that, that's there and that's available to them. But, yep. um, as, as things go, it's, it all looks, uh, fantastic. I, I was showing you guys some, uh, I wish, I wish we had some video available. I could show this, the image that has come in of the proposed ground is phenomenal it absolutely absolutely phenomenal. spectacular yeah and really hope that it can come up to this sort of level yeah look it's been uh, it's been amazing you know and people and and manufacturers have been really keen to get on board we we uh 
there's a mob called uh, Musco who uh, who specialise in sports lights, lighting and whatnot, and they've uh, they're going to donate the lights of the field, the state of the art oh, LED wow. stuff, and and they're hoping that they'll make this their sort of flagship uh, okay. um, arrangement for worldwide. So they're a global mob, and they uh, they want to make this the the be all and end all for them, and uh, they're really going to sort of fly the flag for us, which would be lovely. Yeah, we we do intend to. We're just going to follow this story along. It's not going to be an every week issue, but as uh, as something happens. And, and you know more ground gets broken we'll revisit the issue from time to time we'll endeavor to get Tony Cornish from the Essendon Baseball Club to uh, come on and share his thoughts with us but uh, as you mentioned at the start there out of an unfortunate tragedy there's a, a nice little shining light to be built out at the Essendon Baseball Club and with the little league thing that is um, so prevalent these days in uh, in baseball, of course, and now this is a segue to the next part. There is the Cal Ripken World Series Little League being played right now. Started uh, Australia starts their campaign to, uh, on Sunday. That will get underway, and we'll endeavour to keep you up as shows go along. There is also the Under Twelve World Cup which uh, got underway yesterday for Australia over in Japan. And uh, we're going to have a chat with Dean Marnell, one of the coaches on that team next week. I believe you've been in touch with Dean yourself, Russ? Yeah, yeah. It's in it's in Taiwan, I think, the tournament. Oh, sorry, my bad. Yeah, that, uh, I think Sorry, the under-18s will be later on next month is in right. Japan, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Dino, I think Dino might wish it's in Japan. But uh, no, I had a good chat to Dino uh, last night and, and a little bit again this morning. They they played their first game uh, yesterday and, and fortunately probably got a bit of a lesson from from Japan um, the 12 nil uh, defeat but uh, um, sort of I guess the, the disappointing aspect of it was uh, three hits to one yeah, um, right. which is which is not ideal plenty of walks uh, 12 you said 12 nothing 12 nothing. three hits to one correct yeah wow. it's, it's a tough tough line yeah but uh, plenty of walks uh, a couple of errors I think you said four or five errors and um, you know the the Japanese do it so well and and yeah uh, the boys just couldn't quite keep up, but uh, he is enthusiastic about it. He is encouraged by the kids that he does have. Um, they only had one practice session prior to wow. uh, uh, getting over there. So uh, tough initiation to walk over there and play Japan, as we all know. Um, you know, the top of the tree for a reason, and, and they always have been. So um, to get uh, Japan first off, a bit tough, but uh, Dean's optimistic. He thinks he's got a good club, and, and uh, he reckons they'll compete pretty well. As I mentioned, we'll uh, endeavour to get Dean next week. He has given us a verbal commitment for, for next week, but, of course, uh, he's travelling overseas in Taiwan right now. So, fingers crossed, we'll be able to get more of an update on the tournament uh, as it goes along. If you want to stay in touch with how the Australians are tracking through that tournament, you can go to the IBAF, that's the International Baseball Federation website, and there's links right there on the front page to take you to the tournament, and you can keep up with the progress of the Australian under-12 team as they progress through this year's World Cup. Next topic I'm just going to touch on last weekend was the under-14 state winter championships was held down at Frankston Baseball Club, the Tomatoes, as they're known. They, they they came second in the best nickname in the state competition, beaten by the Cucumbers. <laughs> Can you believe it? Anyway, the Tomatoes, uh, terrific weekend held down there. The weather didn't look so flash leading into the weekend. It was r- rough, a lot of rain leading up to it. It stopped around the lunchtime on Friday. Then a couple of absolutely gorgeous days on Saturday and Sunday, really phenomenal. And I'm just taking my hat off. There it is. And back on to the Frankston Baseball Club for hosting this tournament. They did a phenomenal job, Mark O'Brien and his staff. I'm not going to go into all of the names of the people that were uh, involved in setting up this and running this weekend. It was absolutely phenomenal for the weekend. And the winning teams out of the weekend, Division 1 was Dandenong. They won. And the MVP for Dandenong over that weekend was Dante Caruso. Had a terrific weekend. And in the Division 2, Sunraysia travelled down uh, and won the Division 2 title. So they, there's a lot of baseball uh, champions from up that way, I'll tell you. The MVP for the Sunraysia team was Jack Higginbotham, and just other MVPs. They had an MVP for each particular team over the weekend. Diamond Valley was Keenan Spence. Geelong Blue was Jared Wood. Geelong Red was Luke Radford. Ringwood Black was Riley Light. Ringwood Yellow, Royce Parker. Ringwood Green was Charlie O'Connell. 
and Latrobe Valley was Brendan Laird. And these young men all represented their clubs and associations fantastically. As I say, it was an absolutely phenomenal weekend and really, really well hosted by the Frankston Tomatoes. Uh, they really did a terrific job. And just a little something that I to come out of that weekend. Last weekend there was some reports on another radio station. I'm now digressing to another topic. Was the There was an announcement that um, John Deeble was going to come down and coach the Melbourne team in the Australian Baseball League. That's not happening. Uh, John is not going to coach the um, ABL team here in Victoria. They're still on the hunt. I do know that the... The Baseball Operations Committee, part of that Baseball Operations Committee, left for the United States yesterday in search for a new coach. So that is still underway. There were some comments made regarding the funding of baseball. I'm just trying to choose my words carefully here. The funding of baseball has been cut over the last 12 to 18 months. And there was some suggestion that uh, baseball needs to go out and find other areas to bring money into the sport. That is of absolute paramount importance. You cannot cut funding to a sport and just expect the subs and or clubs to up their money and pay that back to associations. That is going to do nothing but drive people away from the game. And uh, there was another question was posed on this radio show about more clubs being needed to be built or set up here in Victoria. If you expand more clubs, more people, I think that is Absolutely the wrong way to go about it. We need less clubs, not more clubs. I believe that if you have less clubs, the people from clubs that are of right now will end up spreading. I think you're better to have 20 clubs with 300 members rather than 40 clubs with 100 members. I just feel that that is a better way to go. Shares the love. Essendon Baseball Club, and I'm just going to say this um, on behalf of all baseball people and Division One clubs. Russell, can you stop winning? Essendon Baseball Club right now has won four straight and is in, is in such great shape getting this new field and the work, that, but the, my point is the work that has gone into it is shared by a lot of people. It's not all landed on one person. Yeah, it, it, uh, firstly, no. No, we've got no, uh, we've got no You're not going to stop winning. No, that's not. Thanks for listening. Yeah, that's not in uh, Maybe that's this not, is the thing we've got to disagree plans. on here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, you're right. The, the Essendon Baseball Club um, as uh, you know, club of the year last year and, and there's a reason for it and that doesn't happen overnight. You know, that's been, it's been a long time coming for us and it's been a long, Absolutely. slow build. But uh, um, full credits to those in charge, uh, you know, the Tony Cornishes of this world, the Julie Joneses, that uh, it's spread, Fritter, it's spread really, really thin and it's spread really, really wide. So uh, it certainly doesn't fall on, on anyone's shoulders. Um, that, Like I was, I was telling you off air, you know, we've got, we've got a groundsman, Rick Sexton, but he's got half a dozen people that work with him and underneath him and uh, spread the load. And, and that happens right across the board. And um, firstly, yep, no, we're not going to stop winning. We're going to continue to push <laughs> yes. and, and we, will, uh, we, we won't stop. There's no dramas. To be honest, I expected that answer. Yep. I mean, it's. I, I, I think if you were to go again and win it this year, would that be a, a state record for yeah. ch- uh, consecutive championships? Yeah, that's right. I, you know, when we we won three, and I, I know that um, you know the Waveleys and maybe the Blackburns and an early Fitzroy, I, I was I was told, and then four. Um, you might be able to tell me who else had done the uh, four. Uh, Upway Furniture Gully has won three consecutive. Yeah. Um, uh, Waverley won four. Waverley. Prior right. to that, I'm not too sure. The, the the clubs, as you mentioned, Fitzroy, Coburg was a really okay. strong club back in the day. Right. There's a club that doesn't exist anymore. Waverley. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there yeah, are right. some clubs yep, who yep. you can knock off that perch. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as I say, the, the, the culture that's been built around there, and it's not just even, even Peter Giles has done a, a first-class job with the current crop of players there, but coaches prior to uh, Peter Giles have done a terrific job. <laughs> well, I don't know you've about been, that. You've been one of them, Russ. <laughs> no, no, it's all, it's all part of the process, mate. You need to build to get to a certain point where that and, – and it's used in AFL – football a lot the windows open yeah your 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 window or door whatever you want to call it is open yep and it's still open and you could go on and win five yeah look and that's certainly the plan I mean when I took over coach that the the club hadn't won or been in a final for sort of 10 years and and we yeah we did uh, as I took over and uh, a young and exuberant coach we we got into three grand finals which was great but unfortunately we lost all three so uh, to that powerhouse of Waverley but uh, again Peter Giles uh, one of the the greatest human beings that, that 
but on uh, not just a coach. He's a terrific guy. Oh, he really he's is. a ripper. Yeah, he's an absolute belter. So between him and Richard King and, and the support those guys have, um, uh, yeah, look, I don't see it stopping. It's, yeah, well, you guys are still in your prime. You know, there's, there's, there's not, not old guys there. There's a bunch of guys who... We made reference earlier in the show to Team of Champions, Champion Team. The, the, you guys are really play for each other. You can see it on the field. You know, yep. you play for each other. And uh, you know, just for my own weird, crazy sense of humour, I think you go, I hope you go on and win five because you know we need to see stuff. We need records broken. Uh, other clubs need to lift up to your level. And uh, hopefully, with a, a little bit of work that uh, some of these clubs have, unfortunately, Blackburn's been the whipping boys for, for you guys for a couple of years, but they are just right there. They're close, They're j- and hopefully they can come back again this year. But uh, as I say, for my own weird way, uh, uh, I'm all credit to Essendon Baseball Club, and I hope you can go on. Thanks, man. It's certainly not. It's not easy. You know, it's not like we've got the game covered and uh, we we get out there and shellac everybody. Every, That's right. No, no chance of that. No, but no. It's a tough. It's, it's, it's a, a tough, tough league. Yeah, absolutely. It's a tough league. Um, we're going to go to a short break, but uh, stick with us. You're on SEN's MLB podcast. Welcome back to SEN's MLB podcast. Now we're going to have a chat with uh, international scout for the Baltimore Orioles, Brett Ward. He's been over in China. He's been a big groundbreaking signing over there. Uh, Brett, welcome to the show, mate. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, Baltimore's input into China? First, can I get the pronunciation of this young fellow that you've signed out of the Chinese Academy? Uh, yeah, how you doing, Fritz? Um, the kid's name is Zhu Guiyan, but uh, they have their surname first, so it's XU, which is Zhu. But when he started at the academy, he they asked him who their favourite player is, and he said Ichiro, so they call him Ichi. So, right, and they stuck the name of Ichi Shu when he goes to America. So, <laughs> now, now the the way it's uh, gone over there in China was it. Prior to the 2008 Olympics, was there much in the way of baseball in China or has there been a real influx of these uh, Chinese players and, more importantly, the academies that have gone on over in China since the 2000 Olympics? Uh, Yeah, it's probably when they held the Olympics or, yeah, when was that? Just after that, 2008 or nine or something. That's when they really did. But I remember playing against China Oh, a thousand years ago is when, when we used to play um, in some of those Asian series, and that just fell off the map. Um, when they had the Olympics in Beijing, uh, I think it was, MLB then put in a lot of money to try and get uh, access to all those people to get them playing the game, obviously for finding some prospects, but probably from their side of it, you know, the merchandise as well. Um, so then they started up some academies. They've got three academies now, full-time academies. They run a lot like a university or a college in the USA. They bring kids in from all around China, um, surrounding countries, live on site, have them go to high school, uh, educate them and have them play baseball every day. So they're putting a lot of money into it and their standard was really surprisingly good. That's uh, Brett Russell Spear here, mate. How are you? Good, thanks, Busy. Uh, what do you, uh, in MLB clubs? How how prominent are you guys in China? It's obviously the first kid to come out of there, but have you guys been uh, have you been in the area and surrounds for a long time? Have you been have you been trying to put something together here for for a while now? Now, actually, up until August 2014, you weren't allowed to sign any China citizens. Um, it was a lot like the Cuban type things that had to defect and all that sort of stuff. But since that moratorium was lifted by the US government. China's going to open up a lot more now. So we hadn't been in there because of that. It was kind of, to me, it was a waste of my time and the club's money just to have a holiday in China when we couldn't sign anyone. So uh, up until this year um, was the first time we went in. There's probably been, according to the MLB guys, I think there's probably been 10 clubs been in there now out of the 30 clubs. And uh, there's actually good kids coming through. I I really like this kid's bat, the kid we signed. Runs pretty well. I was and, just gonna. Uh, I was just gonna ask you about that. In 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 the basics of scouting, guys, it's broken down into five tools. Can you yes. just take us through the five tools and where you see Itchy is a is a plus in in those tools? Uh, I really like his swing. He's a left-handed swing. Um, so for me, that's a, that's a. He's got a very nice swing. Um, showed me a lot of power when we were there. Takes great BP, but again. 
he's only been facing up to 85 mile per hour because they only have one or two really good pitches in there. So when he goes to the US, he's going to have to adjust to six or seven mile per hour. Whether that happens or not, that's a gamble we take. He ran a six seven five sixty for me, which is average. Again, average runner. Um, didn't throw well and didn't feel well. So they're the five tools, the bat, power, speed, field, and arm. So his arm and fielding were below average, but um, we're hoping we can teach him to field a bit, at least be adequate in the outfield, um, and hopefully his bat keeps panning out the way it is. Outside of uh, outside of the kid himself, uh, Brett, I'm I'm sure there's uh, there's some advantages to signing the first kid out of out of China with a population of 1.4 billion, mate. There's got to be uh, it's got to be a handy network for the Orioles, surely. Well, that that is true, Russell. And um, I had a uh, email from one of the guys who works at the MLB Academy. He said they're ecstatic because it's front page news in China. Uh, as on all the news reports, and, and as you said, 1.4 billion people, if you look at the economic side of it, but if we sold a cap to less than 1%, that's a lot of caps. Yes, that's true. <laughs> you know? So that might help. Who knows? But I, I really think the kid can hit. I really do. And uh, I was quite surprised by the how good their level was. They're probably. I think they're going to send five kids out to our Australian Academy this year. Yep. Um, the guy that coached them now, Bill Thomas, was a long-time college coach in Southern California. They've got a couple of ex-big leaguers over there working with the kids full-time, a number of other college coaches, and and they can play pretty well. It's just the depth they don't have. Um, You know, their first four or five are pretty good, and then after that, they fall away quickly. Uh, You just mentioned a couple of American names over there coaching the system. You you mentioned players not quite up to speed just yet. On the coaching side of things, do they have coaches coming along? Are Americans heading over there to... Uh, up the speed of their coaching quality as well. You mentioned three MLB centres, so I'm sure there's a lot of coaches needed to uh, look after all these kids. Yeah, they do. That's that's a good point, Craig. They they send over the USA or the MLB send over a lot of American coaches at each centre that run the centres. They call them development centres, or I think they DCs or something, and. They are coaching a lot of the local guys, uh, imparting their knowledge and that because it's all new for them. Um, so at each DC, they might have five American coaches and four local coaches, and they just keep bringing the local coaches in um, and just helping them with their knowledge. Uh, you spend? Uh, do you spend a lot of time out through Asia? And um, do you see? You, I think you mentioned to me when I set this interview up that you were heading off to Asia again shortly. Is that right? Yeah, I'm back at a university tournament in Seoul starting uh, next week, so I'm over there for a few weeks. But I also have to cover the professional league in Seoul, uh, in Korea, the professional league in in Japan, and I do all of Taiwan. So, yeah, a few months a year up in the Asian countries, which is uh, good, though. I enjoy it. It's a lot of travelling. And uh, where, where do you see the – is there another next hotbed? Do you see uh, Japan's obviously been one with guys like, like Ichiro? You mentioned he's uh, – this young kid's a fan of Ichiro, and that's where he got the nickname Ichi from. Is there another Ichiro or a Yu Darvish was another one that popped on the scene recently? Who's the next hot one coming along? Um, there'll be a two or three come out of Japan this year. Uh, they'll be very good players or pitchers, mainly pitchers that come out of – Asia and that. Um, but there's a kid called Shohei Otani pitching for the Nippon Ham Fighters. Uh, this kid is the same build as you, Darvish, but it's better than you, Darvish, at the same age. This kid's outstanding. Wow. Um, it touches 100 mile per hour consistently as a starter and got like five different pitches. Um, he will be, when he comes over, he's only like 21, 22 now, but when they finally let him come over, he, he will blow everyone away over there. Um, another kid, Fujinami, much the same. He's only up to 97, though, so... Um. <laughs> he's, he's got to work on it. Yeah, get, get up to a Raldos Chapman sort of speed, and then you might look at him. Yeah, poor bugger. These kids are, yeah, these kids are both 6'6", six, six, and uh, they will they will do very well. But Otani, he actually plays in the field, and he hits his 10 home runs a year, and then they pitch him uh, once a week as well as a starter. So I think he'll go to the MLB as a pitcher, though. Uh, consistently hitting 100 with you know five or six different pitches, sliders, splitters, all those little different pitches they have over there. 
With the Korean League, they had that Gung playing for the Pirates this year. Uh, he's hitting two eighty six, I think, at the moment. Um, and they've got they've got probably two more pitchers may come out this year, both left handers. And another, there's a big first baseman. He's six foot one, hits fifty home runs a year over there. He wants to come to MLB next year, Park. So, be interesting to see how he if his power translates from the Korean League to the MLB. Now, now, Wardy, I'll I'll, uh, I'll preface this Fritter by saying that Wardy was, as a kid, probably one of my favourite baseballers to watch, and and certainly uh, one of my favourite coaches on the journey. But uh, and, I, and I'm rapt to see that you're still involved in baseball, Brett. But uh, how is life on the road? You've been doing it a while now. I know you're away from from the from the wife and kids a lot. Uh, how how are you coping? How does uh, how does life as a full time scout uh, treat you? Yeah, uh, good point, and thanks for that, Rat. <laughs> um, but I didn't go full time scouting. I was asked to do it a number of years, but I waited till. I mean, we had kids early. Um, well, Susan and I had our kids early, so when they'd grown up and they'd finished university, then I said I'd go full-time with them. So that part of it's okay. But um, And then if I'm home for longer than two weeks, Susan starts sort of saying, are you sure you haven't got a trip coming up now? Because I get under her feet and stuff. But it is tough. I mean, I, I don't know how some of the other guys have been doing it with the younger kids. Busy. I couldn't have done that. Um, hats off to those guys. But, yeah, my kids were older. And, and look, I take the family with me on some trips. You know, sometimes my son's been over, he's 25 now, he's been over on a couple of trips with me. Um, and my daughter's been a couple of times and Susan comes probably twice a year. So even though it's, I'm scouting over there, we still get, uh, you know, I still have someone with me most of the time. Do you still uh, travel Australia as well? Do you uh, see any, you know, among junior nationals, there's always the under-18 nationals and a, and a new kid coming along all the time. Do you still get to all of these junior tournaments as well here? Yeah, I still do all that. Um, and luckily, still being involved in the baseball scene, I've got enough contacts around. Like I could ring someone like Spears if he had a kid at his club, and and they're always honest. And you know, and having been through the system himself, he knows and scouted himself. People like that. There's a lot of people like that in Australia. I can ring and get a lot of information off. So that helps me out without having to get around too much. But yeah, I'd. Um, my winter, our winter months, I'm overseas probably four months a year. And then come the summer months, as you know, with Australian baseball, it's, it's really only weekend games. So I get a bit of time off during that. Still go to the junior tournaments in January, which is always good. Um, catch up with everyone, which is the best part of it. Um, catching up with all the old guys, you know, whether they're scouting or coaching teams and just uh, reliving glory days. <laughs> uh, there's plenty of them, Wardy. Look, uh, re- re- really appreciate you uh, coming on the show with us here today. Brett, uh, good luck with all your scouting endeavours in the future and good luck with Ichi. Really important move by the Orioles stepping into the Chinese market. Uh, great move by you and, and, and the Baltimore Orioles. So uh, thanks very much for coming on the show and thanks to the Australian Baseball Players alumni. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Russell. Thanks, Wardy. Uh, great stuff there from Brett Ward, international scout, as I said, for Baltimore Orioles. Uh, it's about all the time we have for this week's show. Uh, just want to say thanks very much to your good self, Russell Spear, for coming in. Really appreciate your input today, mate. Thanks, Fredda. You're looking as good as ever. Really? <laughs> You're a shocking judge of character, <laughs> mate. You are. If you haven't done so already, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at SEN America, as well as our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash SEN America. As always, you can find all of the SEN America podcasts at sen.com.au forward slash US hyphen sport, including the SEN NFL podcast with Richard Garraway and James Arthur. We'll leave you this week with the boys discussing their thoughts on the season ahead for the teams from the AFC West. Have a good day, everyone, and we'll catch you next week. AFC West led by the Denver Broncos. James, how do you see them shaping up? Offensively, I don't like it. They've lost their starting left tackle. They traded away... Ramirez, who played centre and guard for them last year, and they lost their left guard. Their centre is a guy who's barely played a game before. They have one veteran lineman at right guard in Vasquez, and Manning's getting older. And how is he going to handle QB out coming in and running his system? Because we all know Peyton Manning has had 
pretty free will of what kind of a system he wants to run. I seriously think they'll have a big drop-off. However, the only thing that could save them, their defense is loaded with some really good football players. Next look at the San Diego Chargers, finished 9-7 and seven last year. Something that caught me out when I was looking at these guys were they had a really a pretty solo top 10 passing offense, but their running offense was 30th in the league. I think a couple of key things, they re-signed Brandon Flowers and King Dunlap. King Dunlap's a which really is big really important. That's Bought a good get. Walt Orlando Franklin, who's going to really solidify that O-line. DJ Fluker at right guard, a really a top five. I think he was about third in the draft. They took him as a tackle. Uh, he really came on. I know he says all the time, but he really came on late last year. Going yeah, into the his ultimate third crime, year. coming on late in the year. Yeah, well, he's going to his third year. He's a big, big dude. He's going to push some guys around. Uh, this line is its sneakily pretty good. This is my concerns with San Diego. Is it the defense? Listen to the players <laughs> that they lost in the offseason from defense. Marcus Gilbert, starting safety. Sharice Wright, starting corner. Dwight Freeney, starting outside linebacker. One of the best pass rushers of all time. Jarrett Johnson, starting outside linebacker. They've added no one to Next fill those roles. Nantote is still trying to find his girlfriend. I don't know how he's going to play <laughs> linebacker for him. Kansas City Chiefs also finished 9-7 and seven last year, missed the playoffs. What I like about this team is who they've added. They've added some really good football players. Obviously re-signed Jason, um, Justin Houston. Big contract. Their defense is stacked, but they added Ben Grubbs on the offensive line. And Tavon Branch, now he's a safety from the, from the Oakland Raiders in division. He's had a couple of injury woes the last couple of years. Before that, he was one of one of the up-and-coming up best safeties. Justin Houston and Tampa Harley are arguably the best pass rushing duo in the, in the NFL. Yeah. But on offense, can they get a receiver to, catch to a score touchdown? a touchdown? No. Have you had a look at him? Uh, look, hey, they've got an elite fullback, as pro football focus tells us. But look, They brought over Jerry Macklin. I don't think it's going to matter. No, I think Jeremy Macklin will hurt them. Travis Kelsey is the man for them. He needs to be Gronkowski-like if this offense is going to be successful. Smith, he can't throw outside the numbers. He can't throw down the field. Oh, sorry. He might be able to. He won't. Yeah, he I, just look, doesn't do it. I think they will get that out of him this season. Bringing up the rear in almost every standing imaginable. Oakland Raiders. I'm going to start with their draft. I think you get arguably the best player straight out, Amari Cooper. You've got a guy who's got a big arm. Get him a big time target. Yeah, he's he is potentially a once in a generation kind of guy. Like like when Calvin Johnson came out, that's the hype there is around Amari Cooper. You know their O line all of a sudden starting to look starting to look okay. Yeah, you know, Donald Penn's an older guy. He's not the answer at left tackle, but he's okay for right now. Gabe Jackson's a really good young left guard. Again, Cleve Barnes a right guard. He's an older guy. He's just a he's just a spot filler for now. And Austin Howard, another young right tackle. Well, I was surprised when I saw how good their O line was. My concern with no running team, game. There's no running game. Well, they're going to rely on this this, this young Murray who can finished up okay last year. There is not much there. No. That cupboard's bare. Yeah, it's not a great running back group. If you can't run the football with a young quarterback. It's going to tee off after him. I don't see him getting much better very quickly.